totally dig that music. Uh, you see Dan and I sitting next to each other with our green screen behind us. I mean, this is happening shit on Market Call. 3.30 on the East Coast. So some of you rolled out of bed there on the West Coast. Hope all is well with you. Market Call brought to you by Dan Faxet Financial Data and Analytics, powered by Tamar. They're also our data provider. Market screaming higher here. Some attributing to the fact that no negative news and absence of negative news, the markets go up. Maybe it's a month-end thing. I don't know, but we got a rally on our hands. And now with the S&P firmly above that 200-day moving average, there are a lot of people out there, Dan, talking about the all-clear sign. Maybe. It's just ready to go. Ready to party. It's ready to party here. I mean, listen, you know, like you think back to the frustration that you and I had um, in January, Mm -hmm. right? And as the market was just screaming higher, we talked about what we thought was, I think, a very low quality rally. If you look at some of the names that were kind of participating or massively outperforming here. So I think we have an S&P 500 rebalancing. Yeah, we have an S&P 500 rebalancing into the end of the uh, quarter. quarter, okay, which is Friday, mm-hmm. right? Right into the close here. Sometimes you see some pretty funky action um, as it relates to that sort of activity. I don't know, man. This doesn't feel that natural to me. We've been looking at that S&P 500 chart. Um, we've been drawing the lines. It's been in an uptrend, right, from the October lows. It's also been in a series of lower highs going all the way back to January of 2022. Um, doesn't feel Great no, right here, guys. Doesn't feel great, but it be, at a certain. I'm not. I just want to be clear. I'm not magically changing course here. But you know, as the market continues to levitate each yeah. and every day, at a certain point, things become self fulfilling, because then you have people saying, "I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I'm missing it." And by the way, that you know, that typically is when you culminate the entire thing. And I think we're starting to get to that stage where people saying, "You know what? Maybe that was it. Maybe the worst is over." I am not one of those people. Want to be clear. But then you look at a VIX now significantly below 20. A VIX that topped out north of 30 seemingly just a couple of weeks ago gave the entire move back and then some. The HYG, which has been under pressure, it's having a pretty meaningful bounce today. So there are some things to like. And we're going to look at a couple of individual charts. But Micron, to me, is emblematic of this entire market. That quarter, and we talked about it on Fast Money last night, and the knee-jerk reaction was actually to sell the stock off below 60 the quarter was a disaster. Um, I thought it was a disaster. They gave some okay guidance. Margins were not particularly good. Um, they continue. It was a money-losing quarter in a meaningful way. Yet I think what the market is saying in Micron specifically and then maybe in the broader market, maybe that's as bad as it gets. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, again, this is like you know a, a commoditized mm-hmm. player in, in an area that saw a lot of pull forward during the pandemic for all of the reasons that we know work from home, you know, school from home, all that sort of stuff, right? So we saw consumer electronics who use the sort of uh, memory products that Micron makes. They, there was you know tremendous demand. Then there was the fear of shortages and there was double ordering, that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, at times like this guy, and, and one of the reasons on Market Call we use a lot of charts here is that, you know, sometimes it's really instructive to look at and see what the market's telling you. If we look at that Micron chart and, um, you know, it's at a level that mm-hmm. has failed at on numerous occasions over the last, you know, let's call it six to nine months or so. I guess the one that I want to focus on would be Intel. Okay, here's a company Wait that- Wait a second, I wanted to say something. If we pull that chart up, Dan, wait for it. Yeah. That looks like it's ready 
to party yeah look Please. at that one Throw right. that up. well again i mean they look like very similar charts and like to the penny mm -hmm. look at that triple bottom that it made over the last six to nine month period and then it's breaking out right here um above those levels it's above its 200 day moving average for the first time in a year mm -hmm. you know we've talked about this name all of the time as just a value trap especially when you consider just the capabilities of taiwan semi and what they do right as they kind of manufacture chips for all different sorts of uh chip licensing companies right and then if you look at nvidia as a special situation that's been attached to almost every single exciting new buzzword in technology over the last few years but intel like at this stage of the rally guy we look at the smh it's up about 25 um, percent on the year um and you look at that outperforming the nasdaq as a whole at uh, taiwan semi and nvidia are huge mm -hmm. huge components of that will we see intel micron some of these other smaller sorts of players that are value names in the sector will they start to participate i mean that's really the story well, right you're here. seeing it now i think yeah. that's exactly what's happening people saying okay we've seen the move to your point in, in taiwan semi we've seen obviously the move in nvidia some of the smaller chips as well Let's try to find some that haven't participated yeah. that you can still make a reasonable argument in terms of valuation, and let's get on back of them. Intel is that company for sure, and yeah. to a certain extent, Micron it is. I think I think what people are saying though with Micron is that's it. That's the trough quarter. It's only going to improve from there. And if they're right, the same way that the last Taiwan semi quarter, if you remember, was not particularly good, but the back half of the year guidance was good. And the market said, okay, we're going to write off this quarter. We're going to write off the first half of 2023. And we're going to reward you for what you think is going to happen in the months June through December. You know, we'll see if it plays out. I'm hard-pressed to believe anybody has visibility in this environment. But right now, the market doesn't seem to care. Right. And so, you know, there was a company called Infineon out of Europe that had a slightly better-than-expected guidance yesterday. So you put that with Micron, where maybe it wasn't bad as bad as expected, and you have like this sort of day, you see an Intel playing a little catch up. I would throw um, AMD mm -hmm. in there, you know, that 105 level, that was the August high, not not a bad valuation there. So I guess, listen, you know, people ask us all the time, you know, how might you change your sort of bearish tune that you have on the broad market? If you saw the semi-complex, and, and let's remember just a few weeks ago, that NVIDIA quarter and that guidance, again, it was fine. It wasn't anything that we were particularly um, excited about. Maybe we're looking at it through kind of glass half empty sort of lens but that's one where on evaluation and everything so if you start seeing a bunch of these companies over the next few weeks actually put up decent quarters and guidance or not nearly worse than expected then you got a rally on your hands but the only problem that i have is that you had a nasdaq that closed down 30 percent last year you have a nasdaq that's up 17 18 this year at some point i mean to me I don't know. I mean, like, you know, like it just seems like they're kind of balancing each other out at a period where we have very low visibility. The other thing is, and you and I, I know you follow Kyle Bass on the Twitter and maybe Jacob can file, uh, find this tweet. It was a pretty explosive yeah. tweet about China and about like preparing for war um, with Taiwan dudes. Listen, guys, a year ago this time, we, all we could talk about was oil, the supply chains there, and Russia's invasion in Ukraine, and what that meant for oil supply um, and what it meant for the global economy. I mean, listen, if there is any provocation with China and Taiwan, guy, you've been talking about this for a long time, that little oil blip, if you want to extrapolate that, what would happen to the global supply chain with technology, but specifically for advanced chips manufacturing, um, it's going to be nice. Not day. good. And Kyle Bass is not one to be all that hyperbolic, in my opinion. I've actually know the guy. He's extraordinarily bright, and he's a student of this. And 
people will say, well, why doesn't the rest of the world see it? I will tell you, I mean, the Russians were amassing troops in the tens of thousands on the Ukrainian border months prior to the invasion. It was there for everyone to see. I mean, we actually talked about it, but the market didn't seem to acknowledge it until obviously that second week of the Olympics, I think it was, when they actually went in and did something. Well, let's look at this. Let's look at this but tweet. We're going to read, read yeah, the tweet. Read so the tweet. so, uh, so she, this is Kyle Bass saying this. Uh, she says China is preparing for war in four speeches at the annual two sessions meeting. In fact, before we were geo-blocked, we saw that she announced that China is currently building 18 air raid shelters on China's east coast. That's directly across the Taiwan Straits. He ordered authorities to build a massive combat hospi uh, hospital and also passed a new law designed to commute the sentences of incarcerated criminals if they fight in the front on uh, front lines of the conflict. She is telling the world exactly what he's about to do, and the media is not right. listening. Media is not listening. That's exactly right. There, it's it's that old Maya Angelou, I think it was Maya Angelou, that said, when somebody tells you who they are, listen to them the first time. And when, when people, the cage bird sings? I don't know about a cage bird. I think that was a, like a famous bird. book by Maya Angelou. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know about when a cage, cage bird. When the Typically, sings. there are a lot of caged birds. Yeah. I actually, like, I put a feeder out recently, by the way. Really? You know, what's interesting about bird feeders, the bears are attracted to the nuts and the seeds in the bird feeder. Yeah, but So I've actually gone out there and the bird feeder's been pulled down by bear. Really? And you never, like, do you have a ring or anything like that where you Pardon can me? see a ring, one of those, like, kind of video cameras that you, see the, that you can see the bear do the knock? That's what I'm talking about here, man. The video camera? I don't know. I mean, if I put is a it, feeder. Is it if, for, like, bears? Well, I, I listen. If you put a bird feeder out, it's because you want to see birds right. close to your house. That's right. So the idea that you might put a camera there to capture some cool stuff. Oh, like, I see. I, mean? I see. So, so that you like, can you imagine if you saw the 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 feeder being knocked right, down by, by a bear. bear? That would be pretty cool. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, somebody said something the other day, and I'm I'm I believe this in my heart of hearts. Yeah. You will not be at the Nick game tonight. I'm sure you'll be somewhere else. But yeah. Michael Batnick, not Mike, by the way, Michael Batnick will be there. Yeah. And if you watch a Nick game tonight on the television, which I might do, um, what you'll see in the crowd is all these assholes, yes, I use the word by choice, with their phones out filming the game yeah. as if they're going to go back and watch it at some point. Why do we feel the need? Um, this is just a throwing it out there to the audience to film everything. Well, hold on. These these two things, these yeah. brown eyes of mine, sometimes hazel, that's the video camera that you want to use, not this dopey thing. Yeah, but the, the other thing, your brain is right. kinda, it's kind of deteriorating a little bit. So not mine, sharp as a tack. Right. But the one thing, maybe Jacob can find that, um, you know that, 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 um, that picture of the entire crowd taking the picture of LeBron James? Except... Phil Knight, yeah, the founder and, of, of Nike. Phil Knight gets it's, it. It's an amazing thing. I, I will tell you, I was at a Knicks game in January, and uh, they were playing the Milwaukee Bucks. And you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen Giannis, uh, the Greek freak, sure play live. And I was kind of down near the court, as one would be. Mm -hmm. And um, I took a picture of him. I have a great picture of him. Right. I also was at, uh, at a Sixers game in Philly last month, and I got to see him beat. And I was up close, so I took a picture of him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's nice to have. Yeah, I like agree. A memento, except. Yes, right. People on, I mean, we're getting off the tracks here as we it's head fine. close. People have thousands of pictures on their phones. I mean, honestly, yeah. really. All right, so let's let's do one thing here. So you just mentioned Michael Batnick. He is a Holtz Wealth Manager from the um the compound. The compound and friends is a podcast. We just had him and Josh Brown. That's why we're doing it at three yeah, thirty. We, we had we had a great podcast. It's dropping in the podcast store. So check it out tomorrow on the tape podcast. We had a great uh, conversation with the two of them. But it was interesting. You know, they came in here 
and they just you know they were trying to like kind of change our minds a little bit and you guys can figure out how that goes for yourselves more josh than michael but it's interesting you say that you know josh has a very i think i think he looks at things for what they are and he's i think he's got a very interesting take on where we are in terms of the market you know look bad things have happened but look around you things are not as bad as twitter would suggest yeah as the financial media which we are part of would suggest and if you take a step back things aren't that bad which i understand to a point i mean obviously we bring up some of the things that are bad out there i don't think the market is pricing it in i happen to think the market is pricing in the good side of this equation but again as i say all the yeah. time that's what makes well markets. so here i just want to draw a, like a little um comparison and i think really when it comes to investing versus trading it really comes down to time frames right and so when you think about if you're watching this right now and we do appreciate you watching this or you're listening it later um in the podcast store i mean market call is really geared towards like in my opinion trading and setups whether it be in individual names whether it be an in indices that sort of thing and that's really what we're trying to do here is kind of get in the little bit of the weeds a little of the inside baseball on the podcast when we are bringing on all of these strategists and investors and 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 people like us on to talk about it i mean we're really trying to be thematic here right and so when i think about you know on the tape we started in january of 2021 and we started right in the midst of this wall street bets thing into this nft craze into this crypto craze and this back craze into this unprofitable tech craze that literally it just was still going on and we were calling it out for what it was now we were early in that but we were right in that and that thing started to correct at some point in 2021 and it really started to take hold in the broad markets and all of those broad markets in 2022 so here we are now we're doing this sort of thing every day we appreciate you guys being here we're trying to call it as we see it this is kind of fun into the close and you just mentioned the vix okay so guy every time the vix has been at 19 or below over the last few months it's been a great opportunity to sell stocks i agree with that we're into quarter end we just talked about that the complacency is really high we had that vix spike up to about 25 and a half or so on this bank crisis so what you have to do right now not you but what you have to do watching this or listening is is make a decision if all of that anxiety that we felt around this bank crisis all of the extraordinary measures that all of these regulators had taken okay not just here but also abroad to kind of calm things. If you think that's it, then the stock market, let's pull up the S&P 500 chart here. That looks like a good looking chart. Mm-hmm. We've just been saying that. So you guys ask us, how could we be wrong? When will we try to turn? We've been telling you the technicals look good, but the complacency is really high. Well, with a 19.2 VIX, which I think is where we're trading at now, it levels that every time we get down below 20, within a couple of days, it's typically been a short-term top of the market. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, it's very in my opinion, very difficult to make an overly bullish, compelling case solely on fundamentals. If you want to say quarter end, animal spirits, passive investing, whatever other things you want to throw out there, yeah, I get it. But you look at this chart, this pennant formation, and Carter's been saying this for a while. I mean, you're gonna, he's been saying pair of twos, which by definition means you're going to get chopped up on both sides of the thing until it resolves itself. Now, I'll say again, with each passing day, the ranges get smaller. Based on that pennant obviously coming to a point, the point probably happens, I would imagine, mid-April or so, and then we'll figure it yeah. out. You know, I'm hard, again, using the term, I'm hard-pressed to believe bank earnings will be all that good. And guess what, Dan? 
We're going to hear from them in a couple of weeks. Right. So I just want to give a little clarity. Yesterday, I was kind of whining a little bit about my XLF position. I had been rolling down put strikes. And, and listen, I had it pretty decently right before these things started to crack. This is the large cap, the mega caps, mm. right? I was not involved in the KRE at all whatsoever, but I've been rolling them down. And yesterday on the market call in that one o'clock hour, I mentioned that I kind of doubled up the put position that I had. Well, I just kind of cut it just today it's in my face i feels like it's wrong maybe they can pull up the xlf chart here and when you look at this thing and maybe if you can even pull it up a little further here um it's kind of at a level where it's gotten support i think the jury is still out on this guys i really do think that uh, again i think we're going to have other issues here and i also had a uh, put position a put spread in schwab and i cut that today that was actually profitable and i cut that so i have a near-term loser in the I want to be cognizant of, of quarter end, mm -hmm. of month end. Um, and again, sometimes stocks, sometimes indices, sometimes sector ETFs, they run into an event that we all know is coming. In the second week of April, we are going to get the bulk of mega cap tech earnings. And so sometimes being early is wrong because they just have the wrong positioning. But I'm going to trade. I'm going to continue to trade around this. Yeah. I did cut the exposure. Let's though. keep this chart up because yeah. I put that chart up real quick again. Because as I said last night or yesterday at one o'clock on market call, past resistance yep. becomes support and if you go back all the way to 2020 right before covid yeah, hit that 29 and a half level right that was the yep. resistance well we traded down to it a couple times and we're bouncing again maybe this bounce lasts a couple weeks but i do think you're probably going to take out those levels and we talked about the big components the xlf i think in order i think 38 percent of the yeah. xlf is comprised of Berkshire Hathaway, JP Morgan, Visa, and MasterCard. So there you go. Let's see how that shakes out, Dan. Yeah. So, you know, Guy, um, usually on Wednesdays, Carter is with us. We look Carter, at a lot of Carter charts. We look at, yeah, you do. No yeah. emojis with hearts, just charts. Right. It's right. Good sign. So that's, that's, that's worth charting. That's their new tagline. Um, well, it's not. Really? And I think it actually <laughs> agitates them a little bit. Do you think so? I do, because he's not of that ilk, which I respect, you know, by you the know way. You know what? Speaking of ilk, and, and he's coming with me Saturday night, MSG, to see the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Who, How who? cool is it? Oh, stop it. Bruce Springsteen First of all, you live in the great state of New Jersey. Like, and, and don't tell me you're a Jovi fan over the boss. because that. No, 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 no. I have yeah. zero bunch. I have 835 yeah. songs now on my playlist. I have zero How bunch of Jovi songs. I probably have, if I had a guess, I haven't counted them, 28 Bruce Springsteen songs. Which is pretty representative. Yeah, I largely, tell you, largely before Born to Run or Born in the USA, I would assume. Right? Born like, in the U.S. Awful album. Um, Wellington County, he's been playing a lot. Yeah, and No Surrender, he's been playing. No Surrender, a lot. I have on my playlist. Okay, I don't have Born to Run on my playlist. It. It's an it's it's so he's one of my least you know, favorite. He's Bruce obviously Springsteen been doing. Songs. He's been playing three hour shows. Yeah, well, okay. you got to play he's Born been, to Run. Well, I mean, he's been playing. Well, first of all. He, if he plays lights up when he does that, it's lights up good. when he does uh, If he puts lights up, I'm walking out. And the other the other song is that dancing in the dark song. Horrible. That might be one of the worst, not Bruce songs, one of the worst five songs of all time. And then you throw Glory Days, which I don't understand why don't people that like that. That's not on my playlist. Well, first things first, Courtney the greatest, Cox and, and Courtney Cox he brings up from the, the, the yeah, pseudo concert. The, the best the Bruce Springsteen song, in my opinion, is Backstreets. Yeah, one he's been playing great song, Backstreets. Bad Thunder Lands. Road's probably next. Thunder Road, he's I'll go playing. down the list, but sorry. Diaz folks. just texted us off the rails 10 minutes to the close. All right, well, let's bring sorry. it back. I mean, so I started talking about Carter Braxton Worth. Well, no, you started talking about Bruce Springsteen. Oh, you went right. 
yeah. yeah. So we we usually do a lot of charts with Carter, and you know, like listen, I am I am just a, a like a like you guys here. I have a little charting fetish. I enjoy it. I would never put myself. Mm. I would never call myself a technician by any means. I like them as an important input, and I oftentimes scroll a lot of charts, and that kind of gives me some ideas. Remember, we were talking about the square. That's how we came about that one. That was That's a good. That was an interesting timing. On no, that. I know, but that but Carter says this all the time that oftentimes the technicals, um, like you know, some of the indicators that he looks at to kind of make evaluations on charts, they're leading the fundamentals. Look at this one in Triple M. Let's look at the one Throw year. It up. Let's look at the one year chart of Triple M. And I was just scrolling some charts earlier, and this is one where I mean, like the absolute devastation on a one year chart. This is upper left, bottom right here, um, and look at that thing. So it broke down mm -hmm. below those levels from October. So those were the October lows. And now look at it. You see that kind of downtrend that it's been in when it was rejected just below its 200-day moving average. And it looks like it's trying to pick its head up. Now let's look at it on a five-year basis, okay? And this is also kind of interesting um, to me if we can pull the five-year up, okay? That, that just shows how oversold that is because the one year doesn't even incorporate that other high that we had here. So it's below the COVID lows here right now. And it's below the October lows. Now let's look at a 20-year log chart. Mm -hmm. Look at this thing. It's multi. This is 10-year lows in this stock. So, so look at this. I mean, so, Guy, when you see a chart like this, okay, and you see – so it's fundamentally – Something's kind of wrong here, mm -hmm. but on a valuation basis, this is a, a the trade net at 10 times. You're expected to have, you know, earnings decline, high single digits this year, sales down a little bit. I don't know, man. Like I want to take a deeper yes. dive. And there was one other thing. What did we talk about this name a few weeks ago? The, a lot of the focus on jobs cuts was that was just the big tech companies that we were seeing. This was one of the first companies that specifically said they're cutting manufacturing jobs. So maybe they're cutting to the bone. I don't know. What do you think? Of I think thing? this is this is a chart you want to buy, and your risk reward sets up extraordinarily well. I yeah. mean, you got resistance going back. I want to say almost fifteen or so years. I mean, we're at levels we haven't seen in quite some time. So that was two thousand when it um, broke out in so, two thousand and twelve, guys. So eleven years yeah. ago, it broke out, and it's basically come back. But look at how many times, and but you know, prior to that, that's where we failed yeah. a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. Finally got through. So again, past resistance, resistance becomes support. Yeah. We're here right now. So I don't have where they're when they report in front of me. My sense is it's mid to late April. It's my guess. Yeah. But you know, this so is one of those things. Trade. Yeah. Trade this is again. so the stock's trade about $102. This is like you buy 115, once you know, the call spread, 115, 125 call spread. I guess it would have to be don't, June hey, or May. Just don't do, that. Guess. don't do that now, people. We're no, gonna, I'm not we're, saying we're to do it now. A, we're going to take, take a look at the ball. That's, and, I, that's me spitballing. And so one of the things that's interesting, why, why do we quote the VIX here a little bit, is like at 19, you know, you might find some single names like this that maybe are off people's radar a little bit. They've just basically trickled lower. And when you think about volatility as far as options are concerned, I mean, oftentimes if you have a stock that is very depressed but is trading in big ranges, the options volatility, the price that you pay for those options can actually be expensive, even with a 19 VIX or so. So that's one of the reasons why when guys saying, well, maybe it's this expiration, you know, you really want to look and you want to look and see how these things are priced for different events. So we're going to check back on that one. But that's a, that is an interesting setup for a trade for sure. Yeah. Having no idea what the implied vol is or what the yeah. current, you know, but that's something, that's the way you want to look at these things, I believe. Conversely, by the way, I think that XLF, you know, if banks start to sort of get their mojo into earnings, I mean, that's one I think you want to probably fade. Yeah. And I'll say this as well. I mean, 
your point is valid. The XLF has bounced. It has not bounced as meaningfully as it probably should have. And I still think there's this day of reckoning coming. I'll use the term again. You're going to see a take under in one of these banks. I don't know which one it's going to be, but it's coming to a theater. Yeah. You know, one of the things I would just say, and this is kind of interesting um, about the XLF and and, and the take under and and that sort of thing. And keep an eye on this, like FRC, this first Republic, it really can't get out of its own way. And, and um, you know, that that's probably one of them. The equity is basically being priced at nothing here. And when you think about the XLF though, I mean, this was trading at 36 a month ago. It got as low as maybe 30. I'm long the April 31 puts to guys 0.40% of the XLF. And again, Berkshire is the largest holding. So mm-hmm. that makes it kind of a tough thing. Um, and so I, I've kind of rolled down to those. That That's not a great place to be, right? Right now, those cost 30 cents. They're about 1% of the ETF price. I have until April 21st, but I need to break even now down to 3070. And obviously I paid more for them. So on a percentage basis, that's not crazy by any means, but all. that's not a great strike to own right now. I mean, you definitely don't want to own the 30s. And if you want to just have, if you bought the 30s in April thinking that there's going to be maybe a JP or a City or a Wells are going to have some sort of disappointing commentary, then then your break even is all the way down. You know what I mean? It's down too much. So you really want to kind of set these trades up before the event. Great. It's interesting. I'm reading some comments. Yeah, and well, let's hear them. David Wilson says, enjoy another 20 years of no returns in Triple M. And Maybe saying that just to be funny. I don't really well, know. We just but talked about a trade. Uh, that's my that's my point. That's my point. David, we're talking about snarky. trade. I mean, if it's snarkiness, that's fine. I mean, I deal with snarkiness all the time. But the reality is, I don't. I have no friggin' idea what Triple M's gonna be in twenty years from now. Let alone, you know, twenty days from now. My point is, the trade set up is really interesting, and that's the types of things we're talking about. I mean, this is not. We don't talk about investments here. This is more of a trading. Oh, so we're not, well, you know what? Like we do invest. We don't talk about it. Like, like I, you know, I'm, I'm in the simple stuff here. People, I, I can't like l- the way I obsess. I stare at fax set machines all day, every day. I've been doing that mm-hmm. for 25 years. So if I obsessed about LaCroix, if I obsessed <laughs> um, about my investments, do you know what I mean? Like that wouldn't be good. I like obsessing about the trades because again, I mean, we're watching every tick and it's kind of fun. I enjoy it. You guys are watching this. You probably enjoy it. Too. I enjoy it. What else we want to talk about? Because we got to get out of here in a few minutes because we got to haul ass. That's my saying. We got to jackass it to, up to um, Times Square. To Times Square. I, if we can take a quick look, you know, the, we bring up the NASDAQ chart. I'm sure we have it. Yeah. I mean, it continues. You say, you've said it for weeks. I mean, that's a damn good looking chart. Yeah. And it continues to demonstrate relative strength versus the broader market. Yes, there was a bit of an outlier. I get it, but it's been hanging in there. Yeah. So the fact that we're back to those highs from late January before it kind of took a powder here, and we've been talking about the concentration, obviously in the NDX, we know the NASDAQ 100 that, you know, those top six, seven names make up nearly 50% of the weight of it. You know, listen, your guess is as good as mine. Okay. Like, so I, I have people hit me all the time. And a lot of you guys ask, when would you change your mind? If some of the biggest names in the market, some of the most like economically sensitive ones, some of the ones that we think could have, you know, headwinds from geopolitical events, you know, that sort of thing from, you know, if they are able to meet numbers and, and basically guide in line, then then you throw in the towel here, people, if, if, if you're short, like that's what I am. So I have just a couple short on right now xlk i moved into because 45 percent of the weight of that is apple and microsoft and if one of those two companies were to guide lower that's taking the xlk down the other one is the xlf which we just mentioned and then of course the tesla yeah it's interesting i mean look in terms of the way i look at this we have pointed out a number of bullish trades we've been bullish in sectors yeah. there were a few times last year 
June specifically, October specifically, where we said we're, we're set up now to rally 15 to 18% in both times that happened. What's going to change my mind? Well, the backdrop is such where it's very hard to be positive for a myriad of different reasons, but you're going to be able to find trades on the long side for sure. And that's what we're going to continue to yeah, do. Yeah. So here. one thing I just say, if you're thinking about risk reward, I mean, I guess what I'd probably rather do if the market were to break out, if you're like in that mindset, you're saying the S and P is up about 5% after a quarter, after being down 20% last year, let's just say you're in the soft landing camp. So you think it's going to be a mild recession. Okay. You think this banking crisis is in the rearview mirror and you think all of this stuff as it relates to what might happen with China and Taiwan is overblown. Okay. Well then right here, you just buy the S and P. Okay. You buy the SPY because in that scenario, the, you know, the outperformance that we've seen in the NASDAQ already, that's crowding. That was into the safety during the banking crisis. Um, and you know, like to me, that's probably the trade. Mm -hmm. And then the other one real quickly guy is the Russell, the Russell 2000 small cap stocks. They probably play a little bit of a catch up too. So, um, and then obviously the XLF. And one of the things about the Russell is that we know there's a lot of financial names in there. So that's been weighed down there. So those are the things that you'd probably go to that have been hard hit because of this crisis. And then the S and P because of their exposure in financials, um, at the relative underperformance of the NASDAQ. Right if that's now. what you believe yeah. for sure. If that's what you, by the believe. way, my, one of my dog's name is Russell. Yeah. I don't know if I've brought great that dog. up before. He's a great King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. Cute dog. Old, old uh, aging. Did you watch the Ranger? I know Amanda's pissed off right no, that's now. Fine. I know, but Rangers, I tell you what, six two, six two. But wow. you know that first period, I was not happy. You needed Igor Shesterkin to stand on his head, and he did that. So they got to button some shit up in the defensive zone. But I think what the Rangers have proved to the NHL is they can score goals. Yeah. And I got to tell you something. They're rolling four lines now, as many of our viewers know. I am very bullish on the Rangers. They've been scoring a lot since Kane came. They've been scoring a lot. Of and, you know, don't discount Tarasenko and don't discount the fact that Panarin's starting to get his mojo. Zibanejad's been a stud all year. Yeah. You're going to get Lindgren back. It's going to be interesting. They right, play the Devils tomorrow night in New Jersey. Big game, folks. Big, big game. Well, can we just do one thing yeah, before sure. we get out of here? Yeah. The market just closed. Um, let's pull up the Russell 2000, the IWM here. And it's kind of interesting, Guy. If you go back to those um december lows mm -hmm. okay it was really 170 and that's exactly where we got to it, basically almost yeah. to the penny um recently and so that's kind of my my point about if you are going to make the determination that we are not going to be like impacted much more let's say last year was discounting the recession that might end up coming and the recession is not going to be as bad as expected then you're going to want to go into the russell Right. And you were making this case. It was really interesting. Remember late 2021, the Russell was actually acting really well um, relative. Um, yeah, to, I do remember and, that. And, and you you call the fail breakout and you said it's going to lead to the downside. And it did. And it's likely also to lead to the upside if we were to come out of this thing unscathed. That was a card of Braxton Worth. Um, you know, we were actually in this lined up very similarly back then so yeah, we we'll did. see that's a hard word for me to say all right we got a five thousand people because we have to as i mentioned earlier that was fun let us know should we do this in ass. person more like this we'll do what this the market we do it every day no together usually we're doing it from each other's offices separately oh i see sitting like this before. people like this well maybe you, they do i don't maybe, know let listen, us know smash the like button if you like it and <laughs> follow us on the youtube you know i mean isn't that or subscribe to S the youtube subscribe to the youtube yeah follow us on twitter they all follow us on twitter as it is uh, that's it on this Wednesday. Unbelievable. Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow, by the way. EY from SoFi will be joining us as we speak. She's probably thinking about her piece for tomorrow and how she's going to sort of irritate me because that's her want to do. <laughs> it is. Obviously, I want to thank Backset Financial Data and Analytics powered by tomorrow. They're our data provider. 
typically I would think Carter Braxton Worth on a Wednesday, but he's skiing in Utah. You got a shitload of snow out there too. Good for him, man. Can you imagine him on skis? Yeah. He's probably got like those wood skis and those poles with Wait, like the big circles. A, you think he wears a onesie too? A hundred percent. Old school. Carter, if you're watching. That's it, folks. See you tomorrow. See you guys. Thanks.